All the encouraging songs. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Brethren, I, I appreciate it. We have many song leaders here, many talented and gifted ones, and, and, and they're very good, like Brother Edward and this evening and, and Brother Frankie this morning. They're very good to do their utmost to lead songs that I suggest to them, and I do give them suggestions. They're the song leader, not me. But, but I do make suggestions um, that will go along with my lesson, and, and they're real good about that, and I appreciate that very much. We're going to be talking about white fields tonight, okay? Um, from the Bible. Of course, there's three uh, sections of Scripture that talk about this in Matthew and John and Luke. And we're going to look at the, um, in Matthew and John specifically. Um, but, um, brethren, this is the time of year uh, that October, you know, starts to get to be fall and harvest time, right? Um, this has been called harvest time sometime. Um, I uh, have been watching lately on RFD-TV the Market Day Report. Now, if you want some exciting TV, you can watch the Market Day Report. And they give a lot of different things. Like, they'll give the weather for, you know, farmers are very interested in the weather. And they'll give weather reports across the nation. They'll, they will give prices of the commodities, you know, what corn and wheat and so on and so forth doing right now. And, 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 and they also, in that, include um, uh, the harvest. And they, I, I don't know how they figure all this out, but, for instance, they'll say something like, well, one-third of the corn crop in America has been harvested, um, you know, at this point, um, that sort of thing. And, and those, that's very, very important to those guys if you've ever done that. So let me ask you, have you ever helped bring in a crop of any time, either in a field or a, or a garden or whatever, you know? You ever canned up green beans, brought it in? Yeah, um, canned up green beans. I know my kids certainly did that. They raised up doing that. Um, any of y'all ever bailed hay? Yeah, any of you ever picked a crop tobacco? Okay, uh, you know what I'm talking about. See, there's a certain time that that's got to be got in, and, and then the field crops, you know, um, you, you have to get them in by a certain time. And, and there's a process to do that, brothers and sisters. There's a lot of work and the effort and the time involved, you know, what they do with the crop once they get it, you know. Um, in a garden, you can it, you freeze it, you, you dry some of it out, you share it, you eat some, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and so I want us to learn tonight, and it's going to kind of be, uh, I, I don't know if you call it part two, but, but similar to what I talked about this morning. And I want us to learn the, uh, that the most important harvest that we have the privilege to take part in is in what we're going to be talking about tonight. Jesus in Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38, and the reason I wanted to talk about this, and y'all are going to be familiar with this, this is nothing new to you. But, but I, I want to talk about, uh, uh, read this particular scripture because it gives his motivation for what he's about to say. Uh, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. So then he said to his disciples, this is, that was his motivation behind what he's about to say. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Brethren, he looks up and he sees these people like this, you know. And then, oh, I'm sorry, therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And then in John 4, 35, it's, it's, it's John's account. And, and Jesus adds this there. Do you not say there yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they're white for harvest. Some are going to say that they're white for harvest already. Okay? Um, brethren, you put these verses together, and we see here the situation and the solution. 
And, and, and so here's the situation. Two things Jesus says about this situation. One is there is a plentiful harvest. If you've ever been around a, a farming area during the time of harvest, let me tell you, brethren, Kathy and I lived in a rural area and our children um, for uh, almost nine years in Kansas, and, and, and it was a farming community. And I'm telling you what, when it come harvest time, those people got busy. They got serious. There was no lollygagging around, man. I mean, you could, uh, sometime I'd be at a, have to go to a hospital or go to, you know, um, somebody's ill or something, and I'd be driving back at midnight, one in the morning, you know, and, and most of the time you were on a lonely road by yourself, but not during harvest time. You'd drive back in just about every field. I mean, at midnight, one in the morning, you'd see headlights out in that field where they'd have the tractors going and the, and the trucks where they'd be combining their wheat or their corn or whatever and, and putting it in those big trucks, you know. And I mean, they're moving. You say, why would they do that at night like that? They did it just, they'd do it seven days a week because they would farm several thousand acres and they would do it until they got it in. It's a very busy time. The farmers would work from morning until way after sundown. And, and they would do little else during that time, brothers and sisters. They didn't take a vacation then. They, didn't, they, they would concentrate entirely on the crop and, and go to bed with that on their minds, wake up with it on their minds until it was all harvested. And you say, why this urgency? Because the farmer knows that he only has a certain amount of time to get in that harvest before it goes bad, before it rots or it dies. Mark 4, verse 29, Jesus says this about that. But when the crop permits, some modern versions say when the crop is ready, when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle. Why? Because the harvest has come. Brethren, they don't wait around. Immediately they do that. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew 9, 37 that we read, and then Luke's account as well, that the harvest is plentiful. It's there, brethren. It's there. So what and who is Jesus talking about in these verses? Obviously, he's not talking about the literal harvest of, of crops like we do and like they did in that day. And that day, most of the world was a, had some kind of job in agriculture as to how they made their living, many farmers, and they understood this parable that Jesus tells. It says he looks up and saw the people that they were without a sheep, and that's who he's talking about. Or They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so that's who he's talking about, brothers and sisters. Well, who, who's including that harvest? Many or most of the world's population, brethren. They are not saved. And that's who he's talking about. There's always a great harvest of, of lost souls to be brought to Jesus Christ. And there's always going to be an urgency because our time is limited and their time is limited. Brethren, we've learned that this week, haven't we? We've learned that, you know, with deaths and everything. I understand that uh, yesterday someone was killed out on Interstate 75 just right over in Florida. And I, I mean, I, you, I'm sure that them people, whoever it was, did not think that they were going to die that day. There's an urgency because our time is limited. We don't know when the Lord's going to return or when someone's going to die. And if that person is, is not a Christian, they're going to die lost, and they're going to be lost forever. That's why Jeremiah lamented in Jeremiah 8, Verse 20, when he was talking about Israel's refusal to repent, and he said, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. That's a horrible, horrible situation to be in. 
So the harvest is plentiful. That's one part of the situation. What's the second part? They don't bode well together. The second part is you've got a plentiful harvest, but the laborers are few. Not as many workers as there needs to be, Jesus says. So who are the harvest workers? Who will bring in the crop before it's too late? Those in the world? Is the government going to encourage people to get right with the Lord? Some organization that's man-made? No, brothers and sisters, the Church of Christ. That's, who, that's our commission, right? God's people are the only hope for a lost world. We talk about that today. We are the ecclesia, the called out. We've been called out of the world in order to go out into the world and gather in the lost. The Great Commission tells us that. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. Who else is going to bring people to Jesus, brothers and sisters? Who Can you name another organization besides the Lord's Church that wants to do that? People that claim to be Christians? Are the Muslims going to bring people to Christ? No, preacher. Are the Buddhists going to bring people to Christ? No, preacher. Are the atheists going to bring people to Christ? Do our universities encourage people to get right with the Lord, our secular universities? No. Brethren, the harvest workers are few. We are those. We are them, okay? No one else is going to bring the lost to Jesus. So how urgency, how urgent is it? Suppose you develop a, a, a cure for some terrible, deadly disease, and you say, well, Brother Green, we've got a good example, the COVID virus. Brethren, I'm not, I am not making light of this, but the COVID virus is one of the most recovered from viruses we've ever had on the face of this earth. Well, like the Black Plague, where half the world's population died. But, but whatever it is, whatever you want to place it at, okay? Some terrible, horrible disease. And I mean just people dropping like flies, like some of the plagues that we've had in our, in our world, in our country, in the past. And you had the cure for it. Would you keep it to yourself? Would you not share it? What would you do with it? Well, anybody with half a conscience would share it. Why would you do that? Because you'd want people to be saved from that disease. In fact, it would be a terrible wrong not to give that medicine to those who need it to live. It'd be a terrible wrong to do that. Brothers and sisters, God's people, his ecclesia, we have the, the, what the lost desperately need. We have found the cure. We have found the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. So we have it. So then why are there, as Jesus says, few workers? That's the situation. Who's twofold? The harvest is plenteous. It's out there, man. It's out there. You know, if Chuck would have said to me one time, Marvin, man, we got to go fishing tomorrow. I've got this place. I guarantee every time you throw your line in the water, you're going to pull up a big fish. I'd say, oh, man, that'd be great. Because I love to fish. Now, what if I was to say to Chuck, nah, I don't want to catch him fish. What would he think? Yeah, that man done lost his mind, right? Hmm. Now, y'all, Chuck tells me he's going to take me where there's fish are biting, but he don't ever work out that way. I think he saves his honey holes for himself. I'm just saying, you know. But anyway, brethren, uh, the point is this, Okay. Here's the situation. The harvest is plenteous, man. I mean, it's out there ready to be harvested. 
and but the workers are few. Now, that's the situation. So watch the solution. Jesus says in, in uh, uh, John 4.35 that we read, lift up your eyes. He said, you've got to look upon the fields. You've got to look upon the harvest. We, <clears throat> brothers and sisters, we've got to learn to see people and souls as God sees them. We oftentimes look at the outward appearance. We look at whether this person's rich or poor, whether they're talented or not, whether they're an athlete or a successful businessman or maybe a movie star or a famous singer or, you know, we look at position and, and power and things of that nature, you know. Look at the clothes they wear, the car they drive, the house they live in, all that kind of stuff. But, brethren, Jesus sees the heart and the soul of man and he views mankind as either lost or saved. And we need to look at people that way. We need to lift up our eyes. We have our eyes on a lot of things. We do. We're all busy. It's not like that we're not seeing things. But, but because we get so busy with other things that are material mostly or temporary, you see, um, then we miss the greater need, and that is that there's a great harvest out there. We need to view the laws with compassion. The Bible says in our, our main text in Matthew 9 that Jesus saw these people as sheep without a shepherd. What direction do sheep without a shepherd go in? Yes, yes, they are bad off. So Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look where? And look on the fields he says in john 4 35 okay beloved we have got to as god's people as the ecclesia who's been called out to be sent out to go out and to gather in we have got to become soul conscious often our attention is on the things of this world and our eyes are often fixed on the temporary instead of the eternal we've got to learn to think souls so what does he say here's the solution one lift up your eyes Think souls. Look at those people that need to be saved. Secondly, he says, and pray for harvest workers. We need to do that, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Prayer and work equal success. We'll work till Jesus comes. We, we sing, uh, we'll work and pray. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard of the Lord. You know people who are not Christians, brethren. Everybody in this room does. We need to pray for them. We need to pray that the Lord will send a harvest worker to them. And we need to pray for many harvest workers. And most importantly, brethren, and, and you all know I'm coming here, we've got to pray that God will make us into a soul winner. It, it, it would be, in my mind, hypocritical for me to say, God, make Buddy into a soul winner. Make, uh, you know, make Terry and make Ken and make, and make Ronald into soul winners and then me not pray that for me. Wouldn't it be hypocritical, brethren? Yes, he would, preacher. Thank you <clears throat> very much. Yeah, brethren, we have got to pray that God will use us. Use, pray that specifically about yourself. Pray it for everybody. I, I, I pray it, and when I pray, I pray that God <clears throat> would use me in spite of all my weaknesses and shortcomings and humanness in order to bring the lost to Jesus. And then I pray that he would use the Lake Park Church of Christ to do so. And I pray that he would use his people, his disciples, the world over to do so. 
We need to pray that prayer, brothers and sisters. He said, you pray that God would send harvest workers into the field and pray that you're one of them, okay? Because, beloved, the truth is, and I, I know I've preached this often, but the truth is you're able to influence people that others cannot. You're able to do that. You have relationship with folk that I don't and other people don't. So God uses individuals to reach the lost. And there's a great need for many workers. That's why we need to pray not only for ourselves, but for others too, okay? Just envision, and it's easy to do around here because you can go all, in just about any direction from Lake Park and see this eventually, but envision a field of hundreds of acres of, you know what, Troy likes butter beans. Let's say butter beans. Troy has, Troy has helped bring in a crop of butter beans once in his life. But envision a field of, oh, a couple hundred acres, Okay? How much could three people harvest by hand before that couple hundred acres of beans go bad? Especially if they pick like Troy. <laughs> How much of that do you think they, what percentage of that do you think they could harvest before the rest of them went bad and rotted? Y'all, anybody want to take a wild guess? You think they get 10% of it done? <coughs> Ken says adamantly, no. Mm-mm. But brethren, how much could, say, 3,000 people got out there and they were serious about working? How, you, you think 3,000 people working diligently could get most of that crop harvested? We, we need to do that. Have you ever seen a barn raising? Amish should still do that. You ever seen an old-fashioned Amish, Amish barn raising? They can build a big barn. I mean... If you go up in Ohio area in Pennsylvania, places like that, see these huge barns. And they do that without a forklift, without a John Deere tractor. They got people and a bunch of them. And they'll put up a barn sometime within a day or two because they have that many people working. Galatians 6, 9 that we looked at in our Bible class this morning, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. We need harvest workers, brothers and sisters. And so watch the solution. Pray for harvest workers. Be a harvest worker. And then, of course, the obvious. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in very simple terms. You know, a harvest worker is to do what? To bring the crop in. That's what we do. We don't need to keep talking about it. We don't need to keep preaching about it. We don't need to say, oh, that's good stuff. We need to not put it off. There's an urgency. Jesus says in John 4, 35, do not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. You know, we make the mistake of saying sometimes, well, I'm going to talk to that person about the Lord, but i got plenty of time. Brethren, we don't know when that time's going to run out, either for you or for that person. Jesus says the harvest is ready now. So Matthew 9, 38 says that we're to pray that uh, God would send workers into his harvest. Our Luke 10, 2 also says that. Brethren, that's where we need to be, Okay. If the crop belongs to the Lord, where do the harvest workers bring the crop in? You know, that's what we need to do, right? We need to bring the crop to the Lord. And you bring it into the owner's barn, into the their church, the assembly, the congregation, as the Bible describes it, not into somebody else's barns. Brethren, we, we need to do that. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 21, 28. What do you think? He said, the man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. Many virgins say, Go work today in my vineyard. 
okay? And, and, and that's what he's saying. Uh, even in this text, a man has two sons. He's going to put the, works, the sons to work in his own vineyard, okay? And, and you know what he says? He said, who, who's to do that? His, his son, God's children, brothers and sisters. What's our task according to that verse? Go and work, okay? When? Today. Go work today in my vineyard, not four months from now. And where? In my vineyard. We work for the master, brothers and sisters. We work for the master. That's who we work for, okay? So, the Bible talks in Revelation and other sections of Scripture about workers that bring the, the grapes in for harvest. They, they grew many grapes in those days, grapes and olives and things of that nature. And, and so, and they would bring the harvest, the Bible says, into the owner's wine press. Okay, Revelation talks about that. And, and so that's the Lord's church. That's the ecclesia. That's the body of Christ, as we talked about. That, you know, and so we need to be doing that. So let me conclude, brethren, and the lesson is yours tonight, okay? One, Jesus says the harvest is ready. Two, there's an urgency to get the crop in before it's too late, before it spores and go bad, and in the spiritual sense, that's forever. And three... We need to pray for others to become harvest workers, and we need to pray that God would make us a worker for lost souls as well. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then fourthly, we need to understand, brethren, that the rewards for doing that will be eternal. I don't know everything about heaven. Don't, in fact, I don't know everything about anything. But I certainly don't know everything about heaven. I don't even try to claim to. All I can tell you about heaven is what God records, and I'm not sure I understand all of that. But I, I, I do know one thing, brethren. Heaven's going to be wonderfully, wonderful, wonderful, and there's going to be so many marvelous things about heaven. But I can't help but think that one of the best of all that's there, and, and there's going to be many, of course. I'm not trying to uh, diminish any of them at all. But one of the best things in the world to me in my mind, is going to be people coming up to us and saying, I am here in heaven forever and not in a devil's hell for an eternity because you came to me and studied the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to love everything about heaven. But I think that's going to be one of the greatest things. And then, of course, the opposite of that is that song that we sing, and I can hardly ever get through it. You never mention him to me. Day by day, I forget exactly how it goes, but basically day by day, you know, you saw me, we, we associated, and, but you never mention him. <clears throat> Brethren, that's the situation. Jesus gives the solution. Let's be harvest workers. Let's pray that God would make us. This evening, while we stand inside.